This is Pastor Angela, and I just wanted to drop in and welcome you to Relate's podcast. I know that you're going to be filled with faith and encouraged for your week. We love you, and we're praying for you. Welcome to week number three of You Asked For. This is a series that's like no other for us uh, all year long. This particular series is kind of modeled after the idea that Jesus was asked questions from the disciples or people in the crowd, and he came right back. And a lot of times that would spin right into a whole message that was about the kingdom of God with, with principles and, and parables and references back to the Old Testament. But it's easy to imagine that Jesus just showed up with notes and that he just was all prepared. But uh, a lot of times it came out of a question. And so we asked you guys questions back at Easter. We passed out our Easter survey and you answered uh, the question, what would you have me preach on if you can if you can hear messages on anything and so we tallied all of those up and even though we're only there are only four messages in this series we, we actually have tried to take all of the questions and compile them and so a lot of the questions get answered without reference so uh, if you did fill out questions in there we've tried to put them in and make sure that they're uh, mixed throughout but today is a really big topic in fact, besides questions about forgiveness and questions about relationships uh, and how do I follow God, the first week we, we, we answered a question, uh, how do I hear from God? And uh, besides those two, this was actually tied for second. And so I'm, I'm excited to jump into this, though I, I think it's kind of a, a tough subject because it gets on a couple of, this is one of those messages that kind of, kind of steps on our toes because there are elements of it that we take personal, right? Like we, we, we kind of allow God to, to, to have his way when it comes to church. Yeah, that's kind of God's area. Or when it comes to the way uh, we do this or that. But when it comes to certain things, we kind of have, those are, those are kind of our area. God, you stay on your part and I'll stay on mine. And I know that we don't actually say that to God, but we tend to get ourselves messed up a lot of times and stress ourselves out. I'm going to show you how that happens. But first, I'm going to give you a, kind of an idea of what stress looks like. And the, the, these statistics I'm about to give you come from uh, multiple stress institutes. There's actually institutes that, design, that are designed to research into stress and what it, how it affects us as people, not just Americans, but as, as humans. And they say that 40% of Ameri 44% of Americans have more stress than even five years ago which means that we're getting more stressed as the years go on. So, uh, or the perception is that we, have, we, we are adding more to ourselves and having, have more stress than we were five years ago. One in five actually say that they are stressed to the extreme and are even showing like physical signs of that stress. And that could be high heart rates or not sleeping well or depression or like all the things that tend to pile on and 60% of all illnesses can be related to stress in some way or another. So, guys, this is not just, uh, even though God has a lot to say about it, so it's easy to say, hey, stress is a big, 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 big problem, but God has a lot to say about it. We're going to look at some of those things today. Typically, I give you uh, practical advice. We, we kind of dive into the Word and look what God has to say, and then I give you some practical steps. Uh, I'll just let you know right up front that we're not going to dive into as many practical steps because for this particular case, for this particular subject, 
the steps for all of us would be different. So rather than me trying to hit all the possible steps that you can take to eliminate stress, and to not just eliminate stress, but conquer stress in a way that I think God designed us to, I'm going to give you some principles that you can build your life around. Principles that you can put into action that will immediately help you to, what I'm going to show you is to find rest. And so, real quick, I'm going to give you a list. If, if you're taking notes today, uh, if you've got your uh, note sheet on the way in, then you'll want to take those. Otherwise, you can search the YouVersion Bible app for Relay Community Church. And I know it's a little bit of a process, but once you get it, then you can get the notes from there and just get it onto your tablet or your notebook or however you do notes. But I, I love to take notes with pen and paper. So however you do it, that's, that's a good way to do it. But here we go. A list of things that cause stress, really, are stress sources of stress. Number one, relationships. We're not going to spend a lot of time looking at that today because really we talked about that for the last few weeks, but relationships. There are people in our lives that we tend to say, hey, this is a super stressful relationship, right? That, that's easy for you to imagine. In fact, you're probably thinking of someone's name, but don't look at the person next to you or else you're going to get into more stress. Conflict. Conflict is another place where we, we have friction in our lives and that tends to make life harder. Another one is, maybe you're saying, I got so much stress because I'm married. Again, don't look at your wife or your husband. <laughs> Eyes forward. Another, another one might be, I'm not married, but I want to be married. And that's causing me stress because I feel like I need to get married. What about deadlines, homework, and job deadlines? And as we get closer to the end of the year, holidays, and end of the year deadlines, and taxes, and all, all of those things, legal problems can be all wrapped up in those deadlines, legal problems. <clears throat> Divorce, that's a tough one. That cr creates this situation where, in fact, we, we, we sometimes can get so stressed out that it gets to the point where all of these things pile on that we just can't handle another thing. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe you had this great new job lined up and then you're trying to shift gears and all of a sudden there's a whole new stress. Maybe it's an old job that, you had, that you've had for a long, long time, but all... It's the same old stress that continues to pile on. Or maybe you're that one that, I need a job. If I could just get a job, then I wouldn't have as much stress. Right? We feel like it's, it's almost like cause and effect. I don't have a job or I do have a job. It's not enough money or it's not what I need and I need this and I need this. And we have on and on and on. Illness. The moment sickness steps in, all of a sudden that takes every other problem and now you're in a whole new world of literally hurt and pain. Parenting. I thought I knew what stress was until we had kids. And then I I learned what stress was. Then we got older and realized, hey, every every time you grow up a little bit or something new comes in, it's a new level of stress, a new level of something new. Unresolved sin is a big one. Unresolved sin can generate in us all kinds of stress. Later we're going to read a verse that talks about the evils of life and how th those things Bring, they, they can make us carry around guilt and shame that we shouldn't have to because of the things that we should have let go. We should have laid down, but we don't. We carry them around. And another big one for a lot of you today uh, is Houston sports. It might be the Astros who <laughs> you stayed up all night long trying to watch it, like me, stayed up really late because I watched the recorded version. I couldn't look on uh, social media. I couldn't talk to anybody that I knew 
was paying attention or else I would have the whole thing ruined for me. So I'm watching it late, adding more stress, and then have to wake up early in the morning, right? That's what we do. We, we tend to generate stress. If you're not an Astros fan, then you have even more stress because you're having to deal with Junior, by the way, uh, our awesome sound guy who does so much around here. I'll just let you know, he. a lot of people said they were going to be giving him hugs this morning, but he went ahead and wore his, uh, his jersey, his New York jersey, <laughs> Yankees jersey, so that if you hug him, you have to hug the jersey. I'm just saying. <laughs> John chapter 16 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So Jesus is telling the disciples all kinds of things that are going to come. Like he's, he, at one point he tells them, I'm going to die. It's going to be okay. And then they start fighting and arguing with him, saying, no, Jesus, over my dead body. This is not going to, we won't let this happen. And Jesus said, Jesus is basically telling them, I'm paraphrasing, guys, relax. I'm not telling you this so that you'll be stressed out. I'm not telling you these big things that are coming. It seems scary, but I'm not telling you this so you'll be scared. I'm telling you what's coming so that in me you may have peace. And I think right there in that, that, that verse is a, is a picture image of what God wants to do for us. He doesn't want to take away all of the stress and the trouble and all the bad things that are coming. He goes on to say, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's not trying to take away all the trouble and take away all the stress. What he's trying to do, what God has given us, is to the ability to be in a place where there's trouble, actually be surrounded by trouble, or like in Peter's case, be standing on the wind and waves and yet be calm, and yet have peace, yet be able to take heart and say, God, I trust you. I take courage in God, and I know that he's overcome this. Not because he's going to take away the trouble, but because he has me. Would you just tell the person sitting next to you, God's got you. Now just tell yourself. In fact, take your finger and point yourself. God's got you. Sometimes we have to be reminded that God's got this. <laughs> he tells us over and over, and yet we continue to take it back for ourselves and fight and struggle and stress. Psalm chapter 34 says it this way. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. There's issues, there's struggles, there's pain, there's, there's life that happens around us. But he says, I've got you. In fact, we'll just have to uh, watch this word afflictions. Everybody say the word affliction. So afflictions actually translates in the Hebrew, where, where we look at the Old Testament, this word affliction actually means more than just, hey, it's trouble, it's, a, it's something that I'm under an affliction. This word actually translates a specific type of torture where the person is taken and tied to a post, and then they start stacking stones and rocks all around them and on them until they're dead, until they're so crushed under the weight of all of those stones that they can't even take another breath. Isn't it amazing how that image and how that picture looks like what our stress, of, what the stress of life looks like? It feels like the, the struggles of life can continue to pile on and stack and stack. And sometimes, here's the, here's the key, guys. Sometimes we're the ones that put those stones on there. Sometimes we say, yeah, bring me another one, put another stone on it, and then it gets so much. And we want to point a finger at everybody else that put this stress on us, but ultimately we can't even think about taking another breath because the weight is so much. 
You might be sitting in this room today thinking about the weight of your stress and how impossible it might be, or you, you can't even consider how to get out of it because it's so much. That's common. That's a common reality for, for so many. I wish it was just like one in so many, but it's not. It, the, the truth is that a lot of us struggle and fight with that same. In fact, some of us get so under the weight and stress of that affliction of life piling on that we get to the point where we just cannot take another day. We wake up with that depression and with that crushing feeling of, what's the point? How can I face tomorrow? I mean, why, why, why should I even get out of bed today? And it's a struggle. It's a big struggle. So today I want us to, this is really where the message begins. We talked about stress and what stress is. And I think that we can all relate to what that stress looks like as Americans, as people, because that's what we've all experienced. But Psalm chapter 62 is where we actually start the message. And I would like you to read it with me because this, this verse is so amazing in what God offers us. I want us to read this together starting with find rest. Here we go. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's start that one more time. I want you to just, almost like breathing in that verse. That's like we have to stop and take a moment. This is what God wants for us. Let's read it again. Here we go. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Keep reading. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Selah. Selah just means think about it. Like, take a minute and think about what we just said. Don't just keep, too often we read the Bible, it's like, mm, next verse, next verse, next chapter, next, 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 next. This is literally telling you, take a break, take a beat, think about it. Stop for a second. We probably could teach the whole message just on Selah. In fact, if we would just do that, we probably would be able to manage some of the stress that we have. But part of the problem is the fact that we don't have the ability to manage our Manage our moments and Selah. So the next two verses actually give us the kickoff point for, for what I want to talk about for two things in particular. Lowborn men are but a breath. That measurable one breath. The highborn are, are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Like what he's talking about there is that our lives, whether we have a lot or whether we have very little or whether we think our lives are important or they're not, doesn't matter. As humans, our life goes by just like that. <laughs> I think about all the time that my kids, it feels like they were just born yesterday. It feels like the, that my life as an adult, I just became adult and then I was 20 and then I was 30 and December 1st of this year I turned 40. <laughs> my, I'm happy. I feel like my life is just like a breath. It's going so fast. The next verse says, Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, like you can have a lot of money, do not set your heart on them. So I want to talk about those 
right there are those two main culprits, I think, for stress. And really, we could make it three, but last week we talked a lot about forgiveness. We talked about relationships. We talked about how, how we're to think and love the person that we live next to, our neighbors, our friends, our family, the world around us. So excluding relationships, we're going to talk, start with time. Like that breath of our life that's just here today, gone tomorrow. So I want us to start with a passage in the Old. We're going to jump back to the Old Testament. And then we'll come back to the New Testament. But Daniel, in the book of Daniel, this passage is really the kingdom is in turmoil. Like things are in an unrest. There's all kinds of bad stuff happening. God's people have been brought into slavery, basically. Daniel, who is... Uh, God's chosen, he, God's speaking to him, he's praying, he's one of the ones that are still living for God, but he is a slave, he's, the, one of the, he's been picked out of the, the Israelites as one of the smartest, brightest people and is helping the king to run his kingdom. But this is what happens, and this is also, a, uh, I think, a modern colloquialism that we, we often say, I saw the writing on the wall, or uh, I saw the writing on the wall and knew something bad was coming, or like those, that, that term comes from this passage. And in that moment in the kingdom, this happens, and all of a sudden it says that a hand appears and begins to write on the wall, like a hand that's not connected to a body. We don't know how or what that even looks like, but that's the, you can go back and read it in Daniel, but it starts writing on the wall. No one can tell the king what it says, because no one can read it, except they find that Daniel can read it. So Daniel comes, and this, that's where we start in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many tekel parson. Here is what these words mean, and it starts with the first one. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You imagine stepping in and telling the king who is basically owns you and you don't want to upset this guy. But now I'm the only person in the kingdom that can actually read this from God. God has numbered your days and your reign and brought it to an end. That's a scary thing. It goes on. Tico, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. That's a balanced scale. Imagine the, the measure of your days does not add up. Things have become unbalanced. And Paris or Parson, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. In other words, those three things, your days have been numbered and measured. And you're, you have gotten out of balance and now it's going to cost you something. And so we're the same way. I think those, those same three words are relevant to us this morning that our days are numbered. Because we whether, whether you have... Five days or five years or 50 years or 100 years left on this planet, you only have so many days. I did a funeral not too long ago, and every time I do a funeral, it doesn't matter if I know them or I don't. It's like this reminder, such a, a weighty reminder that we, it doesn't matter who you are, how you live. At some point, we're going to come to your funeral or you're going to come to my funeral. We only have so many days left on this earth. And there's nothing you, you can do to change that. So what you do with those days matters. Our days are numbered. Our lives get out of balance. And it'll cost us something. So you have to ask your, your, yourself this question. What in my life is out of balance? 
What is it that's not working? And what is it going to cost me? So there's some blanks at the bottom of your page. You can, you probably, whenever I say that, what's out of balance, the Lord can bring something right to your mind. There's a thing. And you, you your first response is likely, well, I'm not even going to touch that because I can't change it. There's nothing can be done about it. I've already tried to fix. Listen, when we take those issues to God and we begin to pursue his response to it, we begin to pursue God's uh, fix for the problems. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place and you can't take another breath and you can't even consider changing that because it's impossible. Let me tell you this. God's in the business of doing impossible things. Yeah. Nothing is impossible. So don't be afraid just because you don't think nothing can happen about it to write something down on that paper. No one else even has to look at it. Well, you can start believing God to step in and inter intervene into your life because God still does miracles. At 30 years old, feels like yesterday, but it's been about 10 years, I, uh, I started having headaches and um, vision problems and muscle contractions and twitching and uh, tension and all kinds of stuff started happening. So I decided, hey, i got to go to the eye doctor. It's probably time for some glasses. And so I went, as you do, to the to the eye doctor, and he sat me down. He said, all right, let's check this out. He starts messing with the this big thing comes in front of your face, and then you put your chin on the, if you've done that, you know what it's like. And he's got these lenses that he can look not just at your eye, he looks into your eye, in the back of your eye, and he stops, and he moves the machine out of the way. And before we even get to the which looks better, A or B, one or two, one or two, back and forth, before we get to that, he says, man, you got to stop this, this this meeting right now. Stop this uh, office meeting. You got a problem. He says, what do you do for a living? So I had to tell him I'm a pastor and this and that. He says, do you have a lot of stress? And I said, well, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't think I had an extra amount of stress. I thought that's what <laughs> that's what we do, right? We, we find a balance in the stress. And he said, dude, your eye looks like uh, the... The blood vessels in your eye look like the blood vessels of someone twice your age. He said, you got a problem. He said, we'll get you some glasses, but when you leave here, you need to go get your blood pressure checked. You might need to get on some medications. You got, you got some issues. And I took it serious because I said, I'm not going to, I told Angela when I got home, I'm not going to be that guy that dies of a heart attack at 40 years old. I'm not going to be that guy who leaves his kids behind and doesn't get to see him grow up. So we only have a limited time to live on this earth, but I, I actually found out something amazing as I dug into, like, what is, what is the problem with that? If left unchecked, that actually can turn into something, a hypertensive retinopathy where the, where the blood vessels in your eye can actually restrict your optic nerve and affect your vision. As I begin to think about that particular issue, that's true, that's true for all of us. If we have high blood pressure and left unchecked, it can, it can really do some damage. But it's true in all of our lives emotionally and, and, and in our faith that when we get super stressed out, it affects our vision. It affects our ability to not just see things in the way that they really are, but we start making bad decisions, which makes the problem worse. And I think like the afflictions that we talked about earlier. We're just stacking more stones and more stones to the point where it's so heavy. We can't even consider, oh, God's got a plan for my life. God's got something amazing for me because we can barely take another breath. We're so, we're fighting 
so hard for one more breath. It's hard to dream. It's hard to hope. It's hard to have uh, hopes and dreams about the future because I can't even get another breath. What difference does a hope and a dream make? What difference does God's plan for my life make if I can't even get another breath and make today work? And I think that's where God wants us to be. So even today, we, we, we started changing things. And Angela and I started making intentional changes and believing God to help us through the things that we thought were impossible to change, and he did. And even today, we have a planned weekly meeting where we sit down and look at this week's schedule, look at next week's schedule, and sometimes it only takes 10 or 15 minutes where we say, hey, what do you got on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? No, this is too much. We need time together. We need time with our family. We need time for this. We've got to cut some things out even if we don't want to. That's tough sometimes. So what are what what are those things? The first one's time. You, your time matters. You cannot do everything that you're doing now if you can't even take a breath. Would you just tell the person sitting next to you, you can't do everything for everyone. And you can't do everything everyone asks you to do. Because what happens is everybody else is stressed out and they need somebody to do some of their stuff. So they say, hey, I need you to do this. And now you're doing stuff for them that you can't do for yourself. And we're doing everybody's stuff. <laughs> you got to find the balance. And there's a balance in what God has and wants for you. The second thing is money. This I'm not going to talk about money for long, but you got to get it. While we're here, because God cares about your time, and he cares about your money. When Angela and I first got married, we, had, we, we discovered this amazing financial opportunity. Many of you guys probably also did. But we figured out that if we go to the furniture store, we could buy a whole bedroom or a whole room full of furniture with zero interest for a whole year. <laughs> and our plan was, hey, we'll just pay it off within a year. And then, but it turns out that throughout that year, as we got other credit cards going, and all we had to do was pay it off within a year. We did not pay it off within a year. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we were in the same boat that many others are, and we we got into really really turbulent financial waters. To where in our late twenties we decided, no, this is uh, this is this has got to change. And so we made some decisions, some really tough decisions. To we heard someone say, look, if you want to live like no one else is living, then First, you got to start living like no one else is living. And so we made some really tough decisions. There were times where we were only eating beans and rice, deciding, hey, we're going to get out of debt. And we're going to do whatever it takes to do it. So we got into a small group. We started making tough decisions. Started giving other people, some people that we had trusted, some, some accountability with us and helping them to help us to get out of debt. And we did. It took a long, long time, but it changed our lives. But it, it takes some huge decisions. And some of you, even today, with your time and your money, you're going to have to start making some course corrections or else it's going to cost you. Like, or else you're going to get to that place where we have a limited amount of resource, time or money, and if it gets out of balance, it 100% is going to cost you. As we try to juggle to keep it from costing us. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, but godliness with contentment, everybody say the word contentment, is great gain, but we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I used to hear the old timers growing up in church say, you can't put a U-Haul on a hearse. 
You can't take things with you. You can't, nothing in this world is going to last except the things that are eternal, the relationships, the things of God. And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. That verse gets misquoted so often that money is the root of all. It's not just money. It's the love of money. It's when we take money, this tool that God's given us, and we make it something that it shouldn't be. And it gets out of balance and it costs us. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Here again is where we get that image where we get the rocks piled on and we're, we're afflicted by these problems and Truth is that a lot of times we've pierced ourselves with many griefs. A lot of times we're the ones that are, okay, I guess we got room for one more rock. Although I can barely take a breath right now. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths and where the good way is and walk in it, and you'll find rest for your souls. That's what we want. That's what we want to find rest for my soul. Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. There is a way. There is a pathway to walk in. But you got to find it, and you got to walk in it. And so, now we're going to look at the principles. I'm going to give you three principles in the time that I have left. You can write them down, and we can start to believe God to help us apply those principles to our time, to our money, of course, to, to our relationships, to the areas of our life that we are that we have to spend on, right? We have to spend our time. We have to spend our money. We get to allot our relationship and what I have time and money for. So number one, live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. You have to define what your life is about. God has defined what our lives are about, but you have to start making that definition true to you and living with an urgency that it matters, that the, that the actual definition of, of your purpose really matters. Otherwise, you someone once said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so if you don't have that definition, if you don't have that purpose, then we just live in urgency for everything. And isn't that true that so many things are on our schedule that a lot of times it doesn't, we can be for someone else's, purpose, but it feels like we live in a society of urgency, that everything's urgent. But let me tell you this, as urgent as it may seem, everything's not urgent. We give urgency to everything at our own peril. You have to decide what is your purpose and give that the urgency. So at Relate, we have a pathway of discovery. We have a pathway to find that purpose, and we, I, I think we have defined it very well. I believe that there are four purposes for every person on this planet, and the first one is to know God. Write it down, to know God. If you don't know God, or if you feel like you're far from God, or if you feel like you're in the dark knowing God, and that's the first step you need to take, is you need to know God. And everything in your, everything else in your life should be cut out until you got that one down. Because when that one makes sense, and really that's my, that's my heart and my purpose, my, my hope for every single person here and those of you who are watching online is to know God and to fall in love with Him. 
And I know that sounds weird for guys to say to fall in love with God or any other. Listen, God made us to love him. And when we do that, when we fulfill that purpose, everything else makes sense. Everything else begins to line up. Then we really do find balance in life. Number two, to know God, to find freedom. If you're struggling, trying to settle your yesterdays, trying to settle the past before you can go into the future, it's really hard to balance time and money when we're so when we can't stop looking at our past. When we have hurts, habits, all of us do. I'm not, I'm not saying that, hey, you, 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 you. I'm saying all of us as people, that's what happens in life. We in this life you will have trouble. But the truth is that we have been given the power to overcome those things. The hurts, habits, and hang-ups, the injuries that, that, that we pick up in life. God says, I want you to walk in freedom from that. The way that we do that at Relate is small groups. Like, we don't just say, hey, get a small group because it makes your life better. Small groups matter because that's how we find freedom. That's how we find uh, healing. Healing happens in small groups. The Bible says, confess our sin to God and he will forgive you. But then later it says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. You might have salvation. You might have figured out yet one purpose to know God, but you still not found freedom because you can't. There's nobody else in your life to confess and live with. And someone you can take the mask off and say, hey, this is really me. I got problems. That's why small groups matter. It doesn't matter what they do. I promise you think it matters. Well, I don't like knitting. Or I don't, we don't even have one that knits. I'm just telling you. You might say, I don't like painting rocks. I don't like doing it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because it's not really about the rocks or the knitting or whatever else you're doing. I told them when we started this session, there's six weeks left. But before we started this, this 12 weeks, I said, hey, we should have a group. This is awesome. Listen, we should have a group. I was pitching it to the team. We should have a group for all the people who are over 55 and call it the speeders. <laughs> and they said, that's dumb. No, we're not doing that. I said, well, just wait until I'm 55. I'm going to start the group. We're going to be called the speeders because we're over 55. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is that on week one, what typically happens is you show up to small groups and you say, man, these people, they got it all together. They're not like me. I don't belong here. Week two, maybe a little bit more of that. But by week three and four, you're saying, honey, get your purse. These people are crazy. We're out of here. They got more problems than we ever did. But that's the point. Because when you get to week three or four, maybe five, maybe six, you, maybe you found one person that you can have a conversation with. And you realize they have problems and that they're not trying to hold it together so much and present themselves and keep the mask on and try to make you feel bad. They're not there to judge you. They're there to have community and build relationships so that you can all find healing. That's what small groups is about. So when we say you got six weeks left, that's why. That's why it matters. And some of them don't stop when we stop. Some of them have said, hey, i got to have my group. We're just going to keep on meeting. That's awesome. But you got to find one and get into it. Number three, no God by freedom. Number three, discover purpose. Why? Because God made you for a reason. And you got to know what that reason, if I ask you all right now, how many of you know what God made you and put you on this planet for, the singular reason that God made you? I can guarantee you that maybe, if you haven't been through growth track, because that's how we figure it out, you might say, well, I think it's because of this, or maybe, who knows, I don't know. There might be 5 or 10% of you that raise your hand. That might be typical, but most people have no clue. I don't know, well, we're supposed to, uh, you know, 
Go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples, baptize, do, do those kinds of things. <laughs> That's true. But all of us do different things to get that done, right? I love doing what I'm doing. But there's some things that you can do that I can't do. It might not even be in this church. I'm just telling you. We're all made as different parts of the same body of Christ. This, uh, in the last 10 days, I had a friend offer me tickets to go to the, uh, one of the Astros' home playoff games. And I said, can't go, sorry. <laughs> I was excited at first, then realized I couldn't go. And I made a decision, said, nope, that's not going to work for me. But thank you anyway. Within the last four or five days, someone offered me a, uh, a consistent, regular speaking opportunity that would increase my uh, supplemental income, give me extra money, and it's super easy on my own schedule. Just come and speak. Everything's done. You don't have to do it. almost any work. You just show up and speak. Boom. I said, that's not going to work for me. There's a time in my life when I would have begged for that job. But I said, there are things that my life is built around that I have a purpose in this life. And if it interferes with relate, I'm not going to do it. And it's not, it's not a sacrifice for me. It's not like I'm saying, man, I wish I could do that. No, I'm saying I would rather be standing right here than anything else in the world. And anything that takes, so that's the thing about purpose. Once you know what it is and once you've defined it, it's very easy to say, nope, can't do that, don't want to. And I don't feel bad for saying no. Because it doesn't get me where God wants me to be. And so all the things that I prescribe in my life, if it doesn't fit in the plan, can't do it, sorry. And I'm not going to feel bad. Sorry, not sorry, right? <laughs> That's how it works. But when we don't have a purpose and we haven't defined that purpose, then the next thing that comes along, we're like, oh, no, should I, shouldn't I? I don't know. I've got better pray about it. There's some things in my life I don't have to pray about because it don't fit. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, it's good money. It's, I definitely want to do it. Like, on paper, it looks good. But don't fit in the plan. So it don't work. Or the exact opposite. No, I really don't want to do that. But it gets me where God wants me. I better do it. And that's why we say give us four Sundays at Growth Track because... Every single month we start over. Right now there's people down in the growth track room, in the, in the theater conference room, and they are meeting, and they are doing the growth track step three this week, third week of the month. They're discussing leadership and what that looks like in the kingdom of God and what that looks like for them, how they step up and become who God's called them to be. Week two they do a spiritual gifting test and a personality test and talk about passions and how those things fit together and start connecting dots. Like step one, week one, step two, week two. Like it's that easy. Just four weeks. Stick with it and figure out what God's called you to do, what he's made you, and like you were built with a purpose. If you know what that is, it changes everything. I got to go on, but here we go. And the fourth one is to make a difference. Like at the end of Growth Track, people get on our dream team because there's a point in doing something that's bigger than you, like something that's outside of you that's pushing towards eternity. It gives clarity to our week. It gives clarity to our Sundays. I love our, there's about 80-something people that work every single week, that work all over this building, some of them on Sundays, some of them not on Sundays. I've gotten, we've gotten to the point where there are so many things happening with our dream team. I don't even know everything. We, not too long ago, we had a group of our highest leaders 
that all started meeting on Thursday night to accomplish stuff as like, hey, we, we decided we had to meet, we got, then they're meeting. And I said, I didn't put that meeting together. <laughs> Maybe I should go to the meeting. I don't know. I love that people are putting their passions and their heart into seeing your lives better and building the dream team and building and helping to facilitate the dreams, the passions, the purpose that God has made us for. That's awesome. You gotta do something that changes lives because when you start doing something that affects eternity, that's whenever, when you start doing something that fulfills what you were made to be, talk about stress melting away. Just talk about like, hey, this is what I was made for. Psalm 39 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. There's that breath here and gone. So real quick, we'll go to the second one. First, live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Number two is to put first things first. Like once you know what that is, once you know what that purpose is and defined, it's easy to cut out the stuff that doesn't go there and make a priority. Why does that matter? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of options. We live in a world where there are probably more options now than there ever have been. More people screaming at us saying, "I need you. You need to take this as your purpose. This is what you this is what you should be about." You decide and, and, and get serious about it. Psalms 90 says, "Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are." Again, you see you see this the same thing being said over and over. We have a short short time. Recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them. As we should. Then Jesus says in Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Again, once we do the put the first thing first, everything else works. And I can tell you that this message is not, this is not a a money message where I talk about finances and what you're giving. This is not that. But I will say this: that this church was made and started before we ever started. When we realized, hey, we're going to start a church, I, I decided I'm going to start the church in a way that doesn't require you to give. A plan was put into action so that whether you give or not, we're here. I say every week, thank God you give. So thank you to all of you that are giving, but I promise you that the giving, that what we do is not dependent upon you, and that we're going to keep on doing it, but you need to give and you need to put your time and where you're spending your time and where you're spending your money needs to be balanced with what God made you for. And if it's not, you go right back to where we started. It's going to cost you. Because things get out of balance and we only have so much to manage. So we put God first. And everything else works. That's the way it works. But how do we find rest? Number three. Keep my heart set on heaven. I gotta keep my heart set on heaven. So I want you to write this, write this down before we move on. I need to lower my expectations of earth. What does that mean? I need to lower my expectations of earth. Like this, being caught up in this world and the things that are around us, the thing that the things that life has to offer, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and this fulfills me, and that, and this, and this, and this. Listen, nothing is ever going to fulfill you and make you complete 
until you get to the next life. That place where the Bible says to be absent in this life, in this flesh, is to be present with him. Someday, I'll be in a casket, and it'll be my funeral. Someday, it'll be yours. Someday, this life will come to an end, and we'll finally have real fulfillment of, I was made to be near God, to be back with Him. So the question is, of course, by grace, we've, we've been blessed to live in America, right? How do we get to that place and know that we know that we know? We've done what we could do. There's a, I remember many times being in Mexico and seeing people living a different life than we've been blessed with. Like tears because you gave them shampoo or in fact, I've met a lot of people in the United States. I've met a lot of people here in this city that when you give them the smallest thing, it means so much because they have nothing. More and more I've met people like that. Even in a world where there are kids that they don't have a tablet or a phone or a $1,000 phone. They don't have all the devices and uh, entertainment that my kids have and your kids have. There are people with nothing. I remember my grandparents, they didn't have all the things that I have. They didn't have a, a refrigerator that filled up your glass with water and ice. That seems like a simple thing these days. They had very little, but they were still content to keep their eyes on another, another time, another place. And one day, Regardless of how you see this world, this world is a broken place. And when we finally get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, that's whenever things will make complete sense. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. You need to fix your eyes on what it, on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. John 14, I'll close with this. Jesus, Jesus has given the, the disciples probably one of, and, and, sermon called you asked for it and they are frustrated and stressed out and worried and fearful about tomorrow and he says do not let your hearts be troubled but trust in god trust also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so i would have told you that i'm going there to prepare a place for you in other words in my father's house in that heavenly place Jesus doesn't just offer us a better now. We're saying, God, I got all these problems. I need a better now. He says, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to just give you a better now. He offers us a better place. So today, before we go, another minute, another moment in this service, we're going to pray and ask God to help us to manage, uh, to find our purpose and manage our time and our money in a way that puts us in his balance, not our balance, not in something that can work, I can barely breathe, but God, where do you want me? So would you just take a moment right now and ask, God, what are you, what are you trying to tell me this morning?
I'm listening, God. Dear Lord, we we submit our time and our money and our relationships to you. We ask, God, that you would help us to not just manage them, but find purpose and be exactly in your perfect will for us, that we might walk out the, the footsteps that you have ordained for us. In Jesus' name, help us to find your way. And while we're praying, I, I want to address anyone in the room who one day when this life is over, we leave this world, are you ready for that day to come? If it happens today or if it happens tomorrow, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready? You've, you might be saying, well, I am far from God. I don't, I don't know what needs to happen. We're going to say a prayer in just a minute. We're going to invite Jesus. We're going to invite the Lord to come into our lives, to take over, and ultimately to say, I surrender. You can have my life. I haven't been doing a great job of it myself. I, I can barely take another breath. I need you, God. And if that's you and you're tired of fighting that battle on your own, trying to build your own life, trying to manage all those details yourself, and you're ready to surrender to it, then I want you, if, it, if you're ready, I want you to say that prayer with me. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, no one looking around, if that's you and you're saying, I am ready to surrender my life to Christ, and I want to be included in that prayer when you pray, I want you to just, I'm not going to call you forward or ask you to stand up, but between you and God... We are to confess him. And so I want, with nobody looking around, I just want you to raise up your hand and say, include me in that prayer. I want to I surrender my life to Christ today. If that's you, just be bold and put your hand up and then back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Those of you who are in this room, those who are watching online, would you pray these words with me? Dear Heavenly Father, today I surrender my life. I ask you to come into my heart. Save me, forgive me of my sin, fill me with your spirit, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast this week. We would love to meet you sometime. You can get all the details at www.relatecommunity.com. Pastor Sean and I are praying for you, and we're speaking life over you, and we know that your best days are ahead. See you soon. Thank you.